So today we embark on a new series. Uh, today we're just going to look at why heaven matters. This is a going to end up taking 22 weeks to go through this. I, I think that's probably going to go a little quick. Uh, and I know that sounds silly, but it, it, it is. There's so much here to to look at. But it's good to know this, and we'll find out why today is kind of a way of just getting started. Now, I want to give credit where credit's due. A lot of the, the whole outline comes from a book uh, by Randy Elkhorn, uh, and it's got a catchy title. It's called Heaven. And so uh, some of the ideas, certainly the outline, are going to come from there. Randy's a good, uh, a, a good, good guy. He's got uh, a lot of good books out there, but this one, I think it may be, it may be his, his best one as far as being very appropriate for the times. Uh, and you may think, well, why, should, why would I have to be told this? Well, we're going to kind of look at this, and, and we're going to, it's different than like going through Jude or Matthew that we've done verse by verse, kind of expository. It's still going to be expository in a sense you're exposing the text to what it means. It's just we're going to kind of uh, use different texts to help us look at this. So the first one we're going to look at comes from Hebrews 2. Uh, it says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. This is, doesn't really have a lot to do with heaven overtly, but I don't know if you ever thought about this, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who has the power over death, or had the power over death. He no longer has it. You know, I don't know if you, we do that Christmas time. I don't, I, you know it's actually exactly three months till Christmas. Ooh. Yeah. That seems kind of hard to believe, doesn't it? It's actually also exactly three months from June 25th, which seems like not that long ago. I don't know how that works. But, uh, but you, you, you Christmas time, you know, incarnation, the, Lord, the Word became flesh, dwelt among us, came as a baby. We, we hit that really hard, but, you know, He came to save us. We know that. But I think just practically, you can't kill God. Uh, many have tried. But you can't do it. You'd have to become flesh to do the death thing. So that's one of the reasons he did it. But the main verse here for us is 15. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. So really what this comes, we're going to look at just a little bit is the fear of death. And I know you get movies and people say, well, I'm not afraid of dying. And maybe you're not. I don't know. Uh, and, and in some ways, should we be afraid of death? Um, I've always said it kind of depends on how you look at that, right? I don't think I'm afraid of dying. I am afraid of it hurting. You know, if you could choose, and boy, this is morbid, um, but if you could choose how you died, how would you choose? You know, I mean, obviously it's not with lots of pain involved, right? I mean, so that's there too. But this is more talking about the fact of what happens when I die. You know, this is a question that's age old. You know, the Bible answers it. But we don't really look at it as broadly as we could or even intently. That's what this series is all about. You know, if we, we always think about that. And, and it's the old adage that either you're, you really do think about this or you're lying. You know, everybody thinks about eternity. If, it, if it's true that eternity is written in our heart. So we get these pictures of heaven. You get them in uh, movies, and you get some, and movies are fun, and I know that, but they are just really bad when it comes to stuff like this. Um, 
a lot of it's very works based you know it's like the you know the good people go to something up that's nice that has brighter stuff and nicer music um and the bad people a lot of times kind of get a shot at another time you know which is not biblical but you know you know that's what people like to put but what we get is this the idea of uh maybe a boring church service i mean i know this is not a boring church service but that's what it, it, do you really want that the rest of your existence you know i mean I, now don't do this very long because i don't think you should but if you can you think about a have you ever been in a boring church service do you want that every day every minute for the rest of your existence i don't um and, uh, but that's out there, right? Uh, it's the idea of, I remember uh, I always had these calendars when I was an actuary that we would get every, it was daily calendar. You remember the far side? Anybody remember? It was this one little caption, you know. Uh, one of my favorites was where there's a little kid and he's got, you know, of course the butch haircut, you know, a little tubby. He's got a bunch of books and he's, there's a door and he's pushing like this and he's sweating, you know, really sweating. And the door, he's pushing really hard, the door says pull. And at the bottom it says Midvale School for the Gifted. You know, that's the kind of stuff he would do, just one little scene. Well, the one I remember is there's this guy, he's got kind of a beard, and I think he's bald for some reason, but nothing wrong with that. But uh, he's on a cloud, and he's just by himself. And the caption reads, wish I'd brought a magazine. That's the picture of heaven. You know, just boring cloud stuff. You know, it's, it's not, it, and we're going to, what we're going to do over the next 21 weeks, which will obviously take some time off for Christmas and do some Christmas series stuff, but we're going to look at what, what does the Bible really say about this stuff? Uh, and we don't really always think this through as well as we should. Um, the idea, is this a disembodying state of heart playing? You know, it's like, anybody know anybody can play the harp? I hear it's quite difficult. So I suppose even worse, you have to learn to play it before you can play it. Maybe that's purgatory, but that's not in the Bible. But, but the idea of something that maybe isn't as, as uh, joyful as you can think of, you can get, I remember it, this, actually, this little idea is kind of comes from uh, the book Huck Finn by Mark Twain. That's kind of what Huck thought it was, you know, boring. You know, and that's kind of where we, now that's not the way the, the Bible puts it, but this is what we get. And the disembodied part, that's hard. Uh, I mean, again, this gets kind of morbid, I guess, because when you're talking about heaven, you have to talk about death. But, you know, think of somebody that you know uh, that was a believer in, in your family or your friends that's died and whenever they did. I mean, what's going on now? They don't have a body. I mean, it's hard to picture that, isn't it? Uh, and we're going to look into how that works and what the Bible says. Uh, so, it's, that, it's, it's a little hard for us to get our minds around some. And the other thing that heaven is not is it's not unimportant. It's in there a lot. Um, but what we find out is we're often told a lot about how to get there, which is very important. Um, you know, you use an analogy. You can say, well, I'm going to go to the Grand Canyon. And so you have the Grand Canyon as your destination, but you have no idea how to get there. And so you, you could just wander around for the rest of your life and, you know, I suppose you could eventually bump into the Grand Canyon, but it probably would not be, uh, odds are you won't. So how to get there is important, and that is what the gospel is truly about. And we get this in Ephesians 
two, very well put. It's in a number of places. But for, we, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. That's the gospel that Jesus came. We've sung about it. You know, his death on the cross was a sacrifice that was necessary for us to be pardoned if we accept it. So it's grace. It's not, not by works. Um, how does it get activated? Well, by faith. You trust it. You know, it's kind of our teaching each person to trust in Jesus. It's a biblical line. Um, it's not of our own doing. So yes, you, you, you get there. It's very, it's the most important thing if you don't know that already today is realize how you get there. Uh, and then, you know, it's not a result of work so that no one can boast. But we don't get a lot about heaven itself uh, a, a lot of times. We do get in the Bible in places, but I, I was trying to think in my seminary experience, three years, I don't think we ever had a class on heaven. I didn't take it. I think I would have took it if it was offered. Um, I don't know if we even had one one hour class on the new heaven. You know, it, and I'm not saying that was horrible. It was good good study, but why do we neglect this? You know, that's why Alcorn wrote the book, and that's why you're sitting in here looking at me thinking, this is going to be cool. I know that's what you're thinking, but uh, I hope, anyway, this will be, I mean, it, it, if you get this right, the rest of it kind of falls into place, trying to understand it. So, why are, is there's this neglect of understanding heaven? You have to kind of think about that. Why would this be something that we didn't talk about all the time? Well, I think the Bible kind of tells us, you know, you go to John 8, He's talking to some of the leaders and their followers who are rejecting him. Uh, John 8 is probably in the temple uh, where Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So you think about that you've got this being out there that's trying to blind us from truth. And, and obviously the truth of Jesus is true, but even more what Jesus offers. You get this, uh, the beast from the sea in, in Revelation 13, given power by the dragon. And if you want to know what that looks like, I've got a Bible that will show you. It's pretty cool. I, mean, I don't know if it really looks like that, but it is an artist's rendition. He opened his mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling. Well, where's God's dwelling? Heaven. That is, those who dwell in heaven. So you think about that. Heaven. How would you define heaven? That's kind of good to know, isn't it? You know, some people say, you know, heart playing place, you know. It's really the definition of heaven in the Bible is really where God is. If God's not there, it's not heaven. Now, you've got to be careful. It's not only that, because, I mean, if you're a believer, you have the Spirit in you, you have God in us, and, and, you know, I don't have heaven in me that, that way. It is a place, um, and we'll talk about what that place is like. Um, I'm not sure any of our GPSs can find it yet, uh, but it is a place. It's certainly talked about as a place. So, what you, th what you think about is... There's some blinding here, you know, you, even in our own lives. I think God does, or Satan doesn't want us thinking about that stuff. You know, I think, I think Satan wants us to think about things that are bad, things that are evil, or things that, and, and don't we all think, this, especially when we go through maybe some tough times, where's God here? 
why is he allowing this? I thought this was supposed to be a good life. Um, we'll, we'll look into that. I don't know if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia. One of the middle books is called The Silver Chair. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote this. Uh, you have a situation where uh, Aslan, who is the lion, who is the Christ figure in these. If you haven't read these, there's seven of them. They're actually pretty good. I've got them on my shelf. And if you bring them back, you can have them uh, and look at them. Well, in fact, I guess you can just have them. I'll get some more. But the, they are quite old. So, But uh, I, I think if you, they're, they're, they make you look at, uh, at Christianity with a little bit different lens. But in this situation, Narnia is a land that Aslan, the, the, the God Christ figure, is in. And there's a situation where uh, three of the characters have been taken underground. And they're taken away, and it, it's kind of, like, I don't know, if it's not really like they're drugged, but they're kind of uh, indoctrinated into thinking that there isn't any more than just this underground cave, you know, and, and they just get whispered this stuff like there's, there's, there's no Narnia. There's no Aslan. There's no sky. There's nothing good, you know, and I think it's just despair. And if you read the book, eventually, you know, they get snapped out of that by grace, you know, so it's a neat metaphor but I think that's what Satan does to us today. He, he doesn't really have to, you know, really attack heaven. He just has to convince us that it doesn't exist. And that's out there. You know, if, if you're an atheist or an agnostic, you have to assume it doesn't exist, that this is the end of life. There's nothing greater this than this. There's, there's no heaven. There's no, there's no God. There's no new heaven. There's no new earth. There's no hope. And then you look at our, our world now, and there's a lot of people who don't have hope. And I know the hope comes from Jesus, but part of what Jesus promises is, is that we'll be with him in heaven. <laughs> so I think it's important. It's really important. to do, and, and we're going to find out there's a lot of scriptures about heaven in the Bible. And, interestingly, most of them are not about the place we would call heaven now. Uh, some are but not too much. In fact, the word heaven isn't used most likely there. It's, if you remember the thief on the cross, can you remember the word that Jesus used when the thief said, you know, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's kind of the word, and we'll look at those words a little bit, of the, what we see now, which, which Randy Elkhorn calls the current heaven, which I kind of like, because this isn't the final heaven. There's going to be a new heaven in a new earth. And we, if you want to read ahead, you're welcome to uh, read Revelation 21 and 22. And, and, and it's alluded to in Isaiah, the late Isaiah's chapters, 61, 62, 63, 64. On, and I think we look at that. But again, if Satan can just convince us that there's nothing better out there, that this is your best life now, then he's got you. He's, you know, why would I want to follow Jesus when he's just going to give me, you know, clouds, harps, and boring church services? You know, that's the, and I think it creeps into our own. Now, you know, we could do, I guess I could get some tennis balls or something and juggle and make it more. Maybe we'll do that sometime. Um, I don't know if I could do that and preach at the same time. You got to go like this if you're doing that. You don't know if you do that. But, but it's not supposed to be entertaining, but you're supposed to, we, we do that with church. A lot of people, if you invite them to worship, what are they going to think? I've got a lot of alternatives that are going to be a whole lot more fun than that, right? 
And you might think that, and I agree, there might even be times in your life when you come into this worship service, and you don't have to say this out loud right now because you don't want to get like struck by lightning or anything. But you might be thinking right now, well, there's a couple things that I think I'd rather do. And, 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 and that's okay to some extent, I guess. Um, but I hope you don't only come to worship, only read the Bible, only pray, only serve God out of only obedience. I think that's part of it. That's how we love God. I, I, you know, and if you do that, if you're here today and you're like, well, I'm here because I know I'm supposed to be here. I'd really rather be somewhere else. I would just encourage you to pray, God, help me want to be here. Help me want to worship you. Help me want to know your word. Help me want to pray more to you. Not only help me know I'm supposed to, help me feel it. You know, that, that's a great prayer. You know, it's biblical. Because... Again, that's that creeps in. You know, where's that coming from when you, you get up? This is going to happen. Uh, I think Kelly mentioned it was the first day of fall. Um, but because of the original fall in Genesis 3, uh, when you wake, there's going to be a day when you wake up, it's not going to be 54 or 72 or it's going to be like 12 or less. And that voice is going to come. Boy, these covers feel good. And you think about this, and be careful, but, but think about this, just for a second. If it's Monday and you have a job, do you stay in bed? Well, if you have some sick time, maybe you do. <laughs> Sorry, boss. But for the most part, you get up. Why? Well, because it's a living. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I realize it's different when you voluntarily come. Voluntarily come to, it's different. I realize that. But again... Wouldn't it neat be neat if, like, God, help me want to go to worship to the, even though I don't get paid for it. In fact, they're asking for my money, for gosh sakes. <laughs> you know, may, may I want to encounter you that way, you know? Help me feel that way, you know? That's always good prayers. But again, Satan's trying to blind us. It's very subtle, you know? Most of the time it's subtle. Our own minds, it's like, well... You know, because we've, we've kind of kidded around about you get a point if you come, you know. And then if you ask me, what do we do the points? I'm like, I don't have a clue what you do the points, but it's fun to get one, right? It's kind of like getting a sticker, right? You know, I participated in worship. We can give you one if you want. I suppose we can make some up. I don't know what that does when you die. Uh, maybe it helps. I don't know. But uh, again, it comes back to what are we looking at? And that's kind of comes back to this, you know. When in the Bible, uh, heaven is seen as a garden. Uh, we get that kind of a re-Eden, a city, a kingdom. It's always good, you know. You, you, you've probably heard the joke about the guy who comes to the gates, and it's always St. Peter. I don't know if he's really there, but we'll go with it. Um, and the person's got a wheelbarrow of gold bricks trying to bring it in. And Peter looks at him and says, why... Why are you bringing street paving material into, you know, that's, I mean, it's, that have, I don't know if there'll be gold roads, but it's wonder, more wondrous than we can quite imagine. But that may be the problem, and we're going to look at that in a minute. It's, it's good things. It's not only a garden. It's not only a city. It's not only a kingdom. In fact, you might think when you read Revelation 21, it's a city, and I've been there, and it's traffic. There's a lot of people in a city. I mean, you go to, you know, you go to Olive Garden, it's an hour and a half wait. You go here, you usually can get right in, you know. So maybe, I, that's a metaphor. 
what's, what's, what is ultimately a city? The word city, just, it's just people coming together, relationships. That's what it's trying to help us with. But the problem is sometimes we don't think about it. And I think that's what this, again, that's what this whole series is supposed to do. In his book, in his introduction, Randy Elkhorn says, we cannot anticipate or desire what we cannot imagine. Now, you might need to disagree with him, but I like that quote. Um, maybe it's not always true, but it's certainly true in this case. There used to be a song, uh, Mercy Me came out. There's a movie, too, you know, I Can Only Imagine. Uh, but I realize I can't imagine exactly what heaven's like, but that doesn't mean I can't imagine something. And the problem we get into is we start thinking about if we don't have something out there that we can that we're promised as a goal, sometimes it, you can get in despair. And I think that's, that's a problem. You know, I, in, in, in Elkhorn's book, he talks about someone who was swimming a long way. I can't remember if it was English Channel or somewhere. And they swam miles, like 29 miles, 30 miles. They were swimming all this stuff, and they were almost to the shore, but it was foggy, and they couldn't see it. And so they quit. And they quit this long thing like 300 yards before. And why? Because they didn't have any hope. They didn't know that they were almost to shore. And <clears throat> I think it's the same thing with us in, in heaven. If we don't, can't imagine what is prepared for us, sometimes we can lose hope. I'm not the one to put the stuff in the Bible. God did. He, he revealed some things here. Jesus talks about it. It's like it's supposed to be called good news, not just because you get your get-out-of-hell-free card. It's not like, well, at least heaven's going to be a lot better than the other place. Well, that's not the way it's put, you know. It's, uh, and kind of back to that, you, know, you can't imagine that. We're given that in our, as humans to be able to do that. So can you imagine, just for a little, from what we're given, and we're going to hit this in the next weeks. We're going to hit it really hard, looking at it, trying to build kind of a theology of heaven that will help each one of us. Can you imagine, you know, friends and family who died in the Lord, you know? I mean, I know when we think about that, it can be sad, but boy, it can be very happy, too. Because, we, you know, we think about that, it's like, well, I wish they were back, but then again, that's kind of mean. Really? I always wonder if Lazarus, when he's like, well, you know, <laughs> it's nice up here. We're going to send you back. I'm sorry, what? Send me back? Yeah, that's a good one, Jesus. Yeah, you're going to send me back. Yeah, that happens a lot. I mean, you wonder when he says, Lazarus, come forth. He's like, I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to come forth. And if we think about the positive aspect of that, you know, even if it's an untimely death, it's kind of like, wow, this is a blessing. They're in a much better place. And we say that, but uh, let's take a look at where they actually are, you know, and, and imagine what it might be like. You know, we'll do that as we go through the weeks, but, uh, and maybe I'm, I'm just weird. I mean, I know I'm weird, but maybe I'm just weird. I mean, I think about this stuff. I mean, I think, I th hope you do. Can you imagine that? Can you think, oh, this would be cool. Now, don't get carried away. You don't want to live in a, in a fantasy world either. I don't mean that, but Filter it through what we're given. You know, I mean, I, I always have to close my eyes. I mean, maybe you can do it with your eyes open, but to, to, I don't imagine somebody that you love that's died, you know, what are they doing? You know, is it, and they're not playing a harp in my imagination. They're not in a boring church service either. 
You know, they're, they're, they're doing the things they like to do here, and it's even more. And it's like, oh, that's cool. I like that. You know, and so you can, it's bittersweet, I realize, but it's, it's temporary separation, folks. It's not permanent. But again, that having that out there. Now, we got, there's some defeaters here, and these are just three of them that people use. It's like, well, you're not supposed to do that. And I'm like, I don't agree. Um, obviously, if I did agree, I wouldn't have a 22-week series on this. But here's three, I call them non-defeaters, because they don't defeat this, although they're used for that. The first one is 1 Corinthians uh, 2.9, and like I said, we'll be kind of bopping around the scriptures as we, as we do this, and I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 2.10 because that actually helps us with 9. Remember, our, this is a Greg Kokelism, but never read a Bible verse. You know, it's the idea, don't read just one. Uh, Got to be careful with that because you can get it out of context, right? But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. This is out of, out of Isaiah 64, it's just requoted. But people take this, well, we can't imagine it. We can't imagine this at all. But if you read the next verse, it's, it's kind of good. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Well, that's what we're imagining. I don't want you to imagine things that aren't biblical. I'm just wanting you to springboard off what's already there. That's, I think that's good. I think we, this is something we can use. We're given the ability to do that. We can all imagine things, right? I mean, again, if you close your eyes and you imagine something, that's kind of cool. Is that physical? So if it's not physical, it's non-physical, right? I think that's the only two choices. <laughs> Last I looked. So we can do that right now. If you're wondering how spiritual exists, I don't quite know how that works, um, but we're going to look into that too. That's one of them. I don't think that's a good defeater. Another one you get is out of uh, 2 Corinthians 12 where you have a situation where Paul, it looks like Paul, he says, I know a man, most, most scholars think it's him kind of being uh, somewhat humble here. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Now, before we get too carried away uh, with there's three heavens and you try to get to one of them, it's like, you know, door number one, door number two, door number... Th th heaven in, in ancient Greek thought and, and Hebrew too, there were three heavens. The heaven we're talking about is the third one. It's the one where God dwells. The first one is where the birds fly. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God, you know, Psalm 19. The last one is where, like, the, the, the second one is where the, where the stars are. You know, they didn't maybe know they were stars, but that stuff out there... You know, that was, so there was the kind of stuff we can be close to, heaven one. You know, the, the second one is the, the, and eventually where God dwells is. So when I get caught up to the third heaven, it's I went where God is. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. I love that. He didn't even know if he was in the body or out of the body, which, but he knew he was there. Um, and I know that this man was caught up into, into paradise. Interesting, there's that word again. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows, and he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. So then people say that, it's like, well, you can't say that. You've probably read some of the books. You know, there's, there's a kid from Nebraska. Um, what's the last name? Burpo, I think. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know, read him. I, I think, you know, he's three years old. That's why he sees rainbow ponies and stuff. I mean, he's going to look at it through his own perspective. But something happened there. Um, again, don't let that trump scripture, but it's fine to, to look at. 
but again, here it says you're not supposed to do it. However, this is just this one. He wasn't supposed to say something about this. He just told you it happened. But think about Isaiah. Isaiah 6, in the year King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. And he sees these angels around him and all this wondrous stuff. And where did I say that was? Isaiah 6. So if he's not supposed to say anything, what the heck did he write it down for? Obviously, he was supposed to do it. And there's a book that if you have the end of your Bible, there's a book in there called the book of Revelation, which is pretty much one big revelation, apocalyptic vision. And what in there, like 10 times, right, right. So I don't think this is a defeater. It was for Paul. And, and spiritual experiences like that, I guess it's up to God whether he wants us to tell other people. Uh, but I do think, again, it doesn't defeat the fact that we can imagine this stuff. I'm not even, I'm not talking to go home and get a vision, you know. I'm just, think about these things. Because if it's true that this life is just a pinprick of the whole thing, shouldn't we maybe focus on the one that's kind of later? And it does make life a lot easier to deal with when it's not very good. Uh, you, know, you think of things differently when you think you're going to die than when you think of you're going to live for a long time. That's true in this life. That's true in general. Uh, and we'll, we'll look into that too. The last one comes from Isaiah again. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And that's true. We're never going to understand it as good as God does, or probably as well right now as the people we've been imagining being there. And I don't mean I'm imagining them there. I'm darn sure they're there. I'm just trying to imagine what it's like. Um, it's not boring. We've, I've said that before. You know, if you're worshiping God, or just this to say encountering God, and you're bored, you aren't doing it right. Was Isaiah bored? He was scared, but he wasn't bored. <laughs> you know what you think when Jesus walked around? Did it look like people are bored with him? It's like, oh, Jesus is talking. I know I can be boring, but he's not boring. There's something different there. You know, it's not, it's, it's better. You know, let's let, God has revealed this stuff. Let's go ahead and look into it. I mean, another book to read, it's really kind of cool is Ezekiel. It's weird. That's the theological term of the day, I guess. But it's it's kind of fun. It's the first chapter. It's it's really kind of fun to get into. So as we we look through these scriptures, I, I don't think we have any defeaters right there. It doesn't look like it to me. So can you imagine? I think we can. I think, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to get a theology. I even made a chart. I don't know what week we get the chart outline the first 11, but I think it'll be what happens when we die. Isn't that an important thing to know as a Christian? I think it is. The Bible clearly tells us what happens when we die. It doesn't clearly tell us what it all looks like, but it does clearly tell us what's important. And I think as we look at this, this Lewis quote is helpful. This is in Mere Christianity. If you don't read his fiction, read his nonfiction. Um, this is a really good book. Uh, uh, it's not very long, uh, but it's deep. Uh, 
I like this. Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. You could kind of paraphrase this. I think I have. You know, if you if you if you aim just at heaven, you may or may not get it. But if you aim at Jesus, you'll get heaven thrown in. I kind of like that part too. But but it's the idea that you know where are we aiming? What are we looking for? Are we supposed to have our minds just on earthly things? Um, I don't think so. And, and this one isn't in your outline, but it came to mind uh, actually right now. Colossians 3, I, I know, is a good verse, the first couple of verses there, verse 1 and 2, to kind of tell us this is almost a command, at least to the Christians in Colossae at this time. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, so if you're a believer, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Now, it doesn't say you can't think about that, right? I mean, you can think about things on earth, but this set your mind is make this the most important. This has to be it. When do we usually think about heaven in our lives? When somebody dies. Which is okay. I think that's a good time to think about heaven. <laughs> because if, it's, if, if that's true, it's, it's sure a lot better than if it's not. And I think, again, you, you, we, we keep going and saying, well, who's teaching us this? Well, Jesus is. You know, somebody could come to you and say, well, I don't believe in heaven. I don't think there is one. I would say, well, Jesus thought there was one. And, uh, you know, and you can say this as flippantly as you want, I guess, but you could say something like, well, let's see, you think there isn't a heaven, and Jesus thinks there is. I'm going to go with Jesus. And if you have a problem with that, you can take it up with him. You're going to get to eventually <laughs> in this life or the next. So it's, again, it's, it's, we, we look at our, our faith and we think, wow, this is, this, this is really cool. But then there's times where it gets mundane, and that's, that's what you don't want. You don't want that. And imagining what it's going to be like, you know, when we're done with this, I hope you step back and think, this life might have some good times, but this is nothing compared to what's coming. You know, I've said this at funerals, you know, where they say, well, you're just preaching pie-in-the-sky theology. And I'm like, you know, either there's a pie or there's not. Jesus says there's a pie. In fact, there's more than a pie. There's like cake, too. There's lots of good stuff, right? Think of the things in your life that are the most important to you, that aren't evil. Because <laughs> sometimes we can do that, right? This is just a pinprick of what is going to happen and what it's going to be like. I don't know. I mean, you can't imagine it completely, but it's kind of fun to think about to some extent. So you aim at, you aim at heaven. You aim at that. What in this life are you going to do today that will actually carry on into the next? And that doesn't mean some of the things you do are evil. They're just not that important. You know, Paul does that in 1 Corinthians 3. He talks about, you know, you look at a person's life, you know, we do these things, you know, wood, hay, and straw, and then precious metals. And when the fire comes, that wood, hay, and straw is going to burn up. It may have been cool, things you did, but what's going to carry over? What do you have left? Back to the person, I don't know, or persons you're thinking of. What they take with them when they die? You know, I mean, they didn't even have their bodies at that point. And, you know, I'm doing this as kind of like the old Batman, you know. Tune in next week. Same bat time, 
same bat channel. We'll talk more about how that might work biblically. But, but you can't, you, you, what do you take with you? Think about it this way. We're having some, this is just imagination fun. I don't know if you, if you like this. If you don't like this, you know, like I said to the kids, you know, you can go to seven years of college and trick some people into voting you into be a pastor and you can talk all you want. Hopefully not the trick part. But, but you, you know, you, you think about that. When you die, what's the first thing you're going to do? If you have freedom, you know, you're going to open up your Schwab account and see how that's doing. Don't do that. <laughs> not right now. Get that Friday thing and it's like, wow, there's a lot of red numbers. I'm glad that I don't get to take this with me. The, but again, it, it, and I'm not saying that's not important now. It is. It is. But it's not going to be. But what are you going to do first? And I know you're, I'm looking at you. I, I think I know what I'm think, you're thinking. Not because I'm a prophet. It's just a good guess. You're not thinking about what you're going to do, are you? Yeah. And we know that, right? That's cool. That's cool. Because we can, we can imagine it. It's like, oh, that's neat. That's, and it's going to come eventually, right? You know, who are you going to want to be with? You know, that's, that's kind of cool. I mean, yeah, we get to meet Jesus, I think, I assume. It sounds like he says that. But that's not the only person we get to meet, right? Yeah. I'm going to look up C.S. Lewis. But no, I'm just kidding. Not first, you know. Obviously, none of us will. We look for those people that we miss. But that is what this series is about. So C.S. Lewis gives, and then another really good theologian, which we'll end with this guy, is... Francis Schaeffer in The Art and the Bible. The Christian is the really free person. He is free to have imagination. This too is our heritage. The Christian is the one whose imagination should fly beyond the stars. So as we, I, I should hopefully take you by the hand a little bit with the Bible as we go through this series. This is going to be fun. It's going to be good because it's got Jesus at the center and it makes all the difference in the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these texts, these uh, wondrous words that help us uh, imagine what uh, you have prepared for us. As we go through this series, like uh, Randy Elkhorn in his book, may we stay biblical, may we not go off the track of what you've told us, but may we remember that it's about our connection with you and each other, and uh, what a wondrous, great, and super promise you give us that this is just a temporary separation. And there will be a time when we're all together again. 